0: Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. So this morning I... Uh probably about three months ago, had wrote two sermons around the same time, and I had no idea what I was going to share for this morning. And I was like, well, you got two options. It's a 50-50 coin toss. What's going to set us up best for 2020? I don't know if that feels weird to you to say, but it feels really strange to me to say that it's 2020. Um, I remember when I was in the Wesleyan Church, that was they had a goal to plant 20 churches by 2020, and 2020 at that time seemed like it was a million years away, and it's here. And so I'm hoping that the message I'm going to share this morning will set us up well for this next year. Now, to get into it, uh, I want to share a little story. My daughters, Lila and Jocelyn, love to play with our old phones. I mean, it's kind of a thing of the past to keep your old phone around now, right? I mean, you you take it in, and hopefully Verizon or AT&T is going to give you, like, a nickel for it, you know? And so you're like, if I can just get the new one. You know, this one is broken, and if I could just get the new one. But, you know, we have a couple old phones that hang out, and they like to play with them, and they'll pretend to text on them. And what they don't realize is that, If you put enough text messages in there, eventually it starts to like tell you, "Hey, like it replied to sender kind of thing. Like it comes back, like return to sender or whatever." And it's they don't realize when they were younger; they get it now. They didn't realize that it wasn't somebody texting them back. They thought they were having a real conversation with somebody. And so they would, they would do that. And, and, and then they would, and Lila is the one that I remember doing this the most. She would have this elaborate story about the conversations she was having with this mystery person and tell us all these crazy things. And, and it was cute because she's a kid. But if we did that, they would lock us up, probably. Right? I mean, they would be like, get the straight jacket, get, get the men in the white coats, Let's we got to take them to the hospital. They, they, they have some issues, especially if we told it with the enthusiasm that she did. I mean, she was excited about this conversation. And so if we did that, it would be probably frowned upon, looked at as there's something wrong with them. Yet, I would argue that we do this all the time, all the time. As it relates to God specifically, we say things like, well, I've heard from God on this thing or that thing. I know that God has spoken to me and he has told me to to do this or to do that, be it maybe to move. You know, God, God led us to move or to take the job or uh, I've even heard people say, God told me to leave my church. God told me to quit giving or or to stop serving in this particular area. I've even heard not personally, but I've heard stories from other people who said God told them to have the affair. I know we laugh because it just seems ridiculous to us, but some I mean, it may not to somebody I've heard. Well, God told me to tell the lie because it was better for the relationship to just to not tell them the truth. Or to maybe it was to gossip or we've heard God and and we wouldn't say it was gossip, but we were sharing a prayer request. That's the Christian form of gossip. I mean, let's face it. Let's face it, some friend tells us something, and then we feel the need because we think it's the right thing to do, is we're going to, then we got to tell everybody so we can get everybody praying. And all we're really doing is we're just spreading the gossip. We're just spreading the gossip. Now, that's not always true, but I think it is a lot of times true. Or maybe God told us to start volunteering. I think it's easier to maybe think of negative things, but there are both positive and negative things on this where God would tell us to do something. And the question that I want to wrestle with this morning as we look at the beginning of this year is, do we really know if we've heard from God or not? Do we really know? And how do we know that? How do we know that? I think one of the questions that I I, I would argue that I have been asked more than any other question probably uh, as a pastor, and I I, I would venture, I've heard other pastors say this, that probably one of the number one top three questions we get asked is how do I know I've heard from God? How do you know? How do you know that it wasn't just you, the pizza that you ate late last night, you know, and it woke you up at, at four in the morning and you thought it was God, but it was actually heartburn. You know, um, I've I, I realized recently that I cannot eat certain things late at night anymore. Like I'm getting a little bit to that age where it's like, Onion rings at 10 o'clock They revisit you at 3 o'clock, you know, you're like, oh, what did I do that for but but how do we know? How do we know it's not? Uh, that, that we we say we've heard from God and we believe in our heart that that was God telling us this But how do we know that it's not maybe being influenced by our pride or by money or or, or by a personal desire? Perhaps it's it's being, uh, you know, influenced by self-preservation and we think it's God, but we we also, you know, don't want to lose the job, you know, or maybe it's being fueled by anger or emotions or, or just your past in general, or, or maybe someone else's bad influence. You know, there are times and, and we're going to talk about this in, in, in a minute, but there are times, I think, when when we are influenced by other people and it is God speaking to us, but there are also times where it's not. And we need to know how to discern the difference. So how do we know the voice of God and where do we hear his voice most often? Because uh, Jeremiah said this in, in, in 17, uh, 17, 9, chapter 17, verse 9. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So if we, as as humans, understand this idea that our heart, our own desires can be deceiving to us, and it's with that same lens that we're looking at how do we know God's voice, can we trust ourselves? Can we trust ourselves? Can we trust our own heart? And so before we get into the text, I want to preface with just a couple quick things here. The first thing is this. I think God speaks to all of us in all sorts of different ways. The way God might speak to you most often may be different than me. And and I would say that this is even, uh, you know, talking about cultures even. It spans cultures that, you know, I, there are people who live in, 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 in different places in the world and they're open to different things spiritually than maybe we are open to here in America. And so they, you know, I've heard stories of, of people on the mission field that, you know, were reaching Muslims and stuff and they're being communicated to by God through their dreams and things like that in ways that... Most of us probably don't, I, I I know that for me, I don't always feel that way or feel as comfortable with that as maybe they are, and people are being saved through things like that. And so how God speaks to you might be a little bit different than he speaks to me, but I think that we must be extremely careful, vigorously careful on how we discern the voice of God. How do we discern the voice of God? Because I believe that the more we learn his voice, the more we will know his voice. Now, So we make sure we get that. The more we hear it, the more we learn to hear his voice, the more we will know it. There's a difference there. You can hear something. Husbands, we can hear our wives talk, right? (laughs) But not necessarily know any idea what they just said. Right? If you're sitting next to them, you may not want to admit that. So... But the more we hear him and the more we know him, the more familiar we become with his voice. That's the first kind of preface. And we're going to look at the text that really uh, illustrates that. But the second thing that I want to say before we get too far into this, I think that the primary way that God speaks to us is through his word. We've talked about that a bunch this morning, uh, is through his word. But it's absolutely crucial for us to know the order in which that has come to us. I think oftentimes we we operate as Christians, and, and I'm speaking for myself here, as if God specifically penned the Bible just for me. And I, I know this is probably going to rub you the wrong way. He didn't. He didn't. Yes, he is speaking to me through that, but it was not originally written to me. Now, this was... This was taught to us in, in, in when we did inductive Bible study in college. This was the thing that professors preached over and over and over. You must always understand the order in which the Bible has arrived to you. And they would, they, would, they would explain this, that the Scriptures were not written to you first. Paul did not write Ephesians to me, Ian Fancher. He was not thinking, man, one day in Muncie, Indiana, Ian Fancher is going to walk this earth and he, I'm going to write to him. He was writing to the church at Ephesus. He was writing to Philippi. He was writing to Corinth. He was writing to the Romans and to the Galatians. He was writing to a specific group of people in a specific context. And we must understand the scriptures first in that light. We must see it as what was Paul saying to those people? What was Peter writing to those people? What was Matthew trying to write? What was, what was Mark trying to say as they wrote to a group of people? And, and I, I found this interesting as I was thinking about this this week, that most of those people had the thought that all that Jesus had done and was going to do was most likely going to take place in their lifetime. They, they had this, the, I mean, I think most of us think things like that. Well, that's got to happen in my lifetime. I don't know if they would have ever thought that it was going to last 2,000 years before Jesus came back. I think they were hoping, if I was them, I would be hoping he was going to come back before I died. You know, that's what they were wanting, and that's what they expected in some ways. And so they probably never had the thought that what they were putting pen to paper was ever going to make it to today. I mean, that in itself is an amazing testimony that it has. And so when they were writing, they were writing what God inspired them to write in that moment to a specific group of people for a time and a purpose. And we must understand Scripture first through that lens and then secondly through the lens of us as a community of faith. Because anytime we look at Scripture and say, well, that's what that means for the church, but it means something else for me. That's how cults get started. That's how we start taking the Scriptures off and making it say whatever we want it to say. There's, a, there's an order here. It's what did it mean in its original context? What does it mean to us as a faith community when we read the Scripture? What is God telling you? And if it contradicts those two things, you need to maybe call a timeout and say, okay, what is God saying here? And then lastly, I would say that it comes to us individually. But we have to look at it through that order of operation. Now let's look at this, some scripture here. John 10, verse, starting with verse 22. If you want to turn there with me or, or look on your phone. or I'm going to read a, a little bit of a long passage just to get to really one verse. But I want to read the whole context and I'll try to go through it quickly and then highlight the things that I want to focus on. It says this, John 10, 22. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered, <clears throat> yeah, the Jews who were there gathered around him, s- saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And so they're they're coming to him and they're wanting him to finally reveal whether or not he is the son of God and make that clear to them. And they're frustrated with the situation, it seems. Um, And he replies, verse 25, Jesus answered, I did tell you. I did tell you. I feel like he's like a parent there. I did tell you to clean your room. I remember that. I did tell you, but you do not believe The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. Verse 27, this is the key verse. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. I want to stop there, and we, we could read on, and, and I would encourage you to do so. But I'm just going to stop there for, for our sake this morning. Uh, it's it's interesting. These men come to Jesus, and they're wanting him to make the claim that he's already made. Basically, it, it seems as if they're they're almost like setting him up to a certain degree of We want you to say this out loud so that we can you know we can stone you. And and they he has come, and he has upset the apple cart, if you will. He is doing something. Imagine what this would be like. Hundreds of years of a way of living and a way of thinking. And Jesus comes on the scene and he starts to upset the establishment. Everything they'd ever known. And he's claiming to be one with God in heaven. And they're mad about it. And his response to them is, you don't believe because you don't know me. You're not, my, you're not my sheep. You, my sheep know my voice. They listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. He presents this idea. that this is, this is the key thing for our time today. He presents a concept that there is a link between knowing, hearing, and following. That when we hear, we begin to know. I mean, that's... That's the concept of school. (laughs) You go and you hear somebody teach you something, and the more you hear it, the more you begin to know it. And then you walk in it. You become obedient to it. You follow in it. Now, I think that for some of us, it actually does start a little bit different. Sometimes you actually may be one of those who said, I started to follow long before I'd ever heard and, and knew because I was just curious. I think sometimes that happens for us where we, where we begin to go to church. I know that was true for me. I went to church because my friend told me there were cute girls at the youth group. I mean, Jesus will get them in any way he can, right? You know, I mean, whatever. I mean, he, he works through the sin and everything, you know, and, 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 and bad reason, maybe bad motivation, but God moved. And so for me it was a it was a follow, let's go see what this is all about and then hear and know. But for for most of us I think the operation more is you hear it, you hear something and then you're you, you begin to say okay, I want to know more about that and then eventually you walk in obedience. And the sheep are no different. Sheep know him and hear him. And if we're going to hear, we will eventually begin to To know and therefore become learn through that, learn his voice and learn to become obedient in following. Now, I think this trickles down into every aspect of our spiritual life. We learn to be people who are generous. We have love, we have joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control all through hearing his voice, knowing his character. And following obediently, it's all learned that way. We cannot be faithful followers of Jesus without a process of hearing and knowing. Paul looked at this as as absolutely uh, critical to our spiritual journey. He he said this in Colossians four three. He says, "Pray for us too, that God will give us many opportunities." To speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. And then he says in Romans fifteen twenty, My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard, rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. And so why was this so important to Paul? I mean, he's in chains over this. He says that this is my ambition is that I would be able to preach to to new people, people who don't know God, people who've never heard the gospel. And and, and so much so that he's asking for prayer over this as well, because when he preaches, people hear and they know. They hear and they know. They hear and they know. This is something I think that we often understand in other aspects of our life, but maybe not always when it comes to God. Again, let me use the example of wives and husbands, or just any relationship for that matter. How in the world are you going to get to know that girl you want to date or your spouse or, you know, whatever, if you don't listen to her, right? Now, we're not going to admit this morning, right, men, that we don't listen, Always a listener, right, Kyle? Always a listener. Always. I never have not listened, not once, um, maybe twice. You know. Uh, but we understand that as it relates to relationships like that. If, if I want to know a person better, I got to hear them. I got to hear their story and have conversation with them, and and they've got to listen to me as well. Even if I'm boring, you know. And 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 if you want to know them, it, it it's a hearing and knowing sort of back and forth. I think this is true in other aspects of life. Say it's something that you want to learn to do, like uh, for me, improving a a guitar or playing a sport or, or getting better at something. You've got to spend time with that activity. That's kind of what I equate to the hearing. Maybe For me, in, in the case of music, it really is a hearing thing. The more I learn to hear and understand music from a hearing standpoint, the more I can understand how it should work with my fingers. Now, that's, then it's the practice of getting my brain to tell my fingers to do it. But isn't that true? That's the same with anything. Sports or, you know, you spend time with that basketball, you're going to get better, hopefully, with that basketball. Now, if if you don't, you probably should just try something different. That's Your talent's just not there. If you've spent years with a basketball and you're not getting any better, try singing, something else. You know, Give that a whirl. But, but it's interesting. We get this as it relates to other things, but often I think we forget this as it relates to our walk with Jesus. Why would it be any different with God? But the question still stands this morning. How in the world do we know the voice of God? How do we hear his voice? And let me tell you, I wish I could just say, like a, like a, a fortune cookie, you know, the little thing, just give the, a little quick little statement, and that's the answer, and we could all just go home. It's perfect. It works for everybody. It's the same for you as it is for me. I don't think it's that clear cut, unfortunately. I don't think it's that clear cut. Now, I did hear someone say once, long ago, that if you think you've heard from God but you haven't read his word in a long time, you probably haven't heard from God. You're probably just... So so. go and read the word and then come back and reevaluate what you thought you heard. If you're still hearing the same thing, okay then. But if you haven't been reading the word, you're probably not hearing from him. So I want to give you a, just four quick guidelines, I think, on places where we hear the word or where God's voice is most present and and how that how we can use those things this morning. And so... I believe it starts with what I just said. It starts with reading the word. We hear God's voice most from the scriptures. Now, part of the inspiration for wanting to write this message or talk about this this morning is is that I believe I have never heard. I mean, maybe I fell asleep, but I believe I have never heard a message on how to practically read the Bible, how to do that. Now, I know we all understand how to read, We're not going to get into that. You don't want me to teach you how to read. I listen to everything because I'm terrible at reading. So (laughs) I'm not a good, uh, I wouldn't be a good teacher on that. But I want to give you some things that I think might help or maybe some strategies on how could you, how do you read the Bible or how to approach reading the Bible. However it works for you is where I'll start. That's like the worst answer ever, isn't it? However it works for you, start there. And so, for you, it might be to read five minutes a day, one minute a day, or an hour a day. If that works for you, start there. I heard someone uh, years ago say when they first started reading the Bible, they read one psalm a day until they read all the entire uh, Psalms, all of it. That's a lot. That's a lot of days. I'm not sure how many psalms there are verse, as far as verses go. It would be a lot of days. And to read, and I imagine that reading just one, there are times where you're not getting everything. you know. But he did one a day until he built a pattern in his life of where he just every day got up and read the Word. It was not necessarily about reading psalms. It was just about reading the Bible. And he started with that pattern. For you, it might be, maybe you need to do like I do and listen to it. I love that feature. It's funny when it plays here in church. cracks me up when somebody accidentally pushes play on their Bible and we start to hear that wonderful voice uh, you know, in the background. It's happened a lot. Um, it, especially, it's even funnier when someone says, and God said, and then the Bible starts. Pull, you know, that, I mean, that's a great day. There's, there's not, that is the best timing in all the world. But maybe you need to listen to it. Maybe you put it on in the car as you drive to work, or maybe you put it on as you're getting ready for work, and whatever works for you in that way. Maybe for you, you need to find a story version of the Bible where it's more of like a uh, it's laid out in more of a story form or the chronological version. I, I even have a Bible, I never even cracked it open uh, in my office, that's a, a comic book version of the Bible. I mean, maybe you need that, you know? Or maybe you're at a place where, you're like, you know what? I probably should just start with a kid's Bible. Hey, no shame. Just start somewhere. Just start somewhere. Whatever, maybe find a translation that works for you and and just read as long or as little as you can and try to build a pattern in your life of hearing God's voice so that you will know His voice. The more we position ourselves to hear His voice, the more familiar we become with it. And so another thing I would add to this is maybe for you, you should try to journal. Now, that's me giving advice I can't follow myself. I am terrible at journaling. I am the best buyer of journals in the world, but I am the worst user of them. I I buy them with great intentions. I look for the coolest ones, and and they just lay empty. I, I can't do it. But... I know that that is a gift for some, and maybe for you, it, that's a thing. Or maybe you get a Bible that has the margins where you can write notes in the side or highlight. Whatever it helps you get it more and want to get more into the word. And, and then as you read, ask yourselves the questions. What does this mean to the original audience? What does this mean to us as a faith community? And then what does it mean to me? What does it mean to me? The second place that I think God speaks to us outside of speaking to us through his word is through others. And so I would recommend that you listen to others. We should not discount the words of a trusted friend who might be simply just giving us wise counsel and it really is not just them speaking, but it's God speaking through them to us. God sometimes uses people to speak into our hearts and change our minds about things or, 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 or push us forward in a decision or warn us. I mean, all kinds of things. It says this in Proverbs 15, 22, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Proverbs 27, 6 says this, Words from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. I've always loved that verse, but that's probably one of my, my stepmom's favorite verses, and she's quoted, she used to quote it like just constantly, and it would get on my nerves. But now that I understand what it means, you know, sometimes friends have to say things to us that hurt. And we don't want to hear it. And that's where the the wounds from a friend can be trusted. But it isn't, isn't it true in your life that most often someone who's not got your back, someone who's against you, someone who is an enemy to you and doesn't want to see you succeed is just going to tell you whatever you want to hear. Mostly because they just want to get you out of their way and get on with their day. But someone who typically someone who cares about you is going to be willing to say some things that maybe hurt for a moment, but they push you forward in the right direction. And so May we not forget that sometimes God speaks through other people. The third thing, listen for his whispers in creation, in beauty, in art, and all around us in the world. Have you ever just been walking maybe by like a creek or, or by the river or something or in a place? You know, we, we go up to Canada every year in the summer and just up around the, the woods and the trees and to be able to see deer literally like swim in the water off to another island and things like that. I mean, isn't, doesn't you ever have God just speak to you through the beauty of creation? You step outside and you see the sunset and it's all these crazy colors that you couldn't even imagine. It's like the most beautiful painting you've ever seen in your entire life and you're just reminded that we're so small and God is so big. And sometimes we just ignore it because we are too busy or too whatever and we miss out on God's small voice as he speaks through those types of things. I think that's often where we hear God if we are going to hear God speak audibly is in the quietness of those types of moments. And then lastly, We've got to remember it to quiet the noise around us if we want to hear God's voice. And we live in a world of distraction. I, I, this is this is probably the most convicting thing for me this morning because I am so prone to. I, I love. Apple invented the greatest thing ever when they invented the the wireless headphones, the AirPods. Just put those things in and you can work and do dishes and do stuff around the house and yard work and do anything you need to go to the bathroom, TMI, do whatever you need to do and listen to stuff. But I often find that I think I've missed out on the voice of God because I'm too involved in whatever else it is that I'm listening to. And so we have to find ways to quiet down the distractions. And, and, and that's going to get just harder and harder as we move forward, church. It's not going to get any easier. And so we will have to be intentional to take time to say, okay, if I want to hear the voice of God, I've got to turn down the noise somewhere. You've got to turn down the noise somewhere and take time to get in a quiet place, to, to shut off the radio maybe on the drive to work or... or, or, or you know, not watch the the TV show for a little bit and just take time to be quiet. It doesn't have to be hours, just maybe moments. And lastly, if after all this, you still don't know what God is trying to tell you and you're still in this place where you're like, I just, I, I've, I've been reading my Bible. I have heard from friends. I've been walking in nature and I have quieted everything down and I still don't know what God is trying to say to me. This is the final piece of advice I would leave you with this morning. And it's not original with me. I got this from someone else. Pray and pray that God would reveal himself to you specifically in your situation and make the path clear. And then don't just stop there. Take a small step of obedience in any direction that you think you should go. Take a step in that direction. Because if you take that step and you're like, Ooh, that doesn't feel right. Trust that that's God telling you, you probably shouldn't take the next step and step back and then try a different one in a different direction. And then if he says, okay, that's good. Then take another one and another one and another one until you're on the path that he's leading you on. And while you're doing that, meanwhile, in that moment, if you're still trying to figure it out, just keep doing whatever it is God told you to do last time. Whatever it was God told you that you knew about last time, don't give up on that as you take those small steps of obedience. I am often uh, lately reminded of that in my own life. And I'm reminded that God will never call us to do anything that contradicts his love, never contradicts his word and his character. And so we must always look at what we are doing through that lens. I'm going to close this, with this thought and then we'll pray and be dismissed. But two years ago, I believe God told me, in essence, gave me a, a different calling. And I knew without a doubt in that moment, but it took two years to kind of see that play out and, and become more confident in that. And I believe that He shut a door in my life and, and, and has yet to open up the next door. And maybe that's true in your life. And maybe you're going through something like that right now where you feel like, you know, and you have peace about the fact that God has shut a door in your life, but you're waiting for him to at least crack a window, you know, something to take you to the next step. And I believe that that's where I'm at in my journey. And maybe many of you are in the same place or a similar place. And so I'm living on the words, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And I'm just doing whatever it was he told me to do last time until he opens that door. And so if that's true for you this morning, then, then rest in those words. Be still and know that I am God. Let's pray together. God, we, we want desperately to know your voice better we there's so many voices so many distractions so many things that pull us in different ways and 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 just you know move in 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 our minds and and confuse us and 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 mess things up because it's easier to listen to those things oftentimes than it is to to learn your voice and listen and god i pray this morning that you'd help us to know your voice that we would trust it more and we would be more aware of it, even in the quietest moments of of life. As we travel to work, as we're walking down a hallway, as we're putting our kids to bed or maybe laying in bed at night, God, that we would just become in tune with hearing your voice. Help me, Lord, to be better at hearing your voice. Because when we do, we hear it, God, we know, we begin to know it and we can follow you better. And ultimately, that's what we want, is to become better followers of you, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church. Have a great week. See you next week.